the weight of today has been on my shoulders and on my chest for the past 48 hours. Easter is not about bunnies or eggs. It's about the creation, being with the creator. Now you might get eggs today. You might get chocolate today. You might get to sit with a bunny rabbit and all that stuff. You might get that. But make no mistake, Easter is about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it's about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is where we're headed today. This is where we head every Sunday. And we're going to be talking about this in relationship to abiding. So before I even start, I just want to pray because there is nothing that I can do here today. It has to be God. It has to be through His Spirit. He is the one that makes people go from death to life. That is it. I can't be cute or funny or clever enough. So I'm not going to do that at all. We're just going to read the Bible, the Word of God, and allow Him to transform us. That's simple. Because that's all we have. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm already burning up. Um, Father, thank you. You're my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. You're the one who died on the cross and raised from the dead. You are the reason that we are here today. Not just because we're first world Americans and this is what you do on Easter, but because we want to see you and make much of you and know you because only through you do we have anything. There's nothing else that we need, Lord. I pray that eyes would be open, ears would be open, we would see and hope in you today. I pray that we would be able to pay attention, be able to lean in, be able to hear your good words and be transformed, Lord. I pray that people would go from death to life today. Maybe the first time ever hearing the gospel of Jesus. Father, I thank you for these families, men, women, children, so many under 10 years old in here today going against the stream, saying, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to have our fellowship with you. And we're not going to cave to the demands of the world, but we want to live and glorify you. Give us strength today. Give us ears today. Give us wisdom today. Give us hope. Because apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we are dead. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the third week of our Abide series here at Salt and Light. We've done this for three weeks. Last week, Josh, uh, the other Josh, Josh Ashwell, I think he's back there, but he uh, preached last week. This is our third week. And abiding is of the utmost importance for us as Christians. To abide in Christ is receiving and trusting all that God has said in relationship with Jesus. So are we going to trust what God has said? Are we going to receive what God said all through Christ? That's what abiding looks like. Abiding looks like resting in the words of Jesus Christ. So there are two options for us. I'm going to be as black and white as I can, and hopefully we can keep on track. We either abide in a relationship with God, or we abandon the relationship with God. Those are our two options. That is it. We abide or we abandon. We're in with him or we're outside of him. I cannot make that any more clearer than that. 
Know this. And if you have confusion of what the gospel is, if you've heard that or have been in church and like, I, I think I know what that is. I just want to clear it up for you. What is the gospel? As a people, all of us, men, women, children, we are created in the image of God and we're designed to be in relationship with him. That is what we were designed for. But because of our rebellion, we have actively chosen to abandon our relationship with him. This rebellion has left us dead. This Rebellion has left us condemned. But Christ's work on the cross was for the redemption and reconciliation of our fallen relationship. A lot of ours. He redeems us by paying our sins on the cross. And he reconciles us to the Father for the rebellion that we do. There is restoration. There is wholeness. We talked about Peace, and Jesus gives us peace, and peace means shalom, and shalom means wholeness, and completeness, and togetherness. In a broken, rejected world, we have togetherness, wholeness. This is what Jesus provides for us. This is what Easter is about. Not chocolate eggs. The Creator provides a way back into relationship with His creation, And I have to ask you, do you want to be restored into a right relationship with God? We all have been in open rebellion. All of us. I don't say this as somebody standing up here acting like I'm perfect. We have all been in open rebellion against God. And we have abandoned our relationship. And redemption and reconciliation comes through the cross, not by your good works. People think that coming to church and doing good works, that's what saves you. That's what you can make God proud of you. Because look, I'm here. I'm here today. I'm here on Sunday. It is Jesus' perfect works that is the reason we are saved. That our sins have been paid for by Jesus. And this is where repentance comes in. Here we are scripture-saturated and a prayerful people. Those are our two values. Here at Salt and Light, our first two, we've been hitting them every single week since we've planted this church. And the word of God is a mirror into our own lives. We have the ability to look at it and see how we fall short from God's standards. But this shouldn't lead us to despair. Because it also reveals why and how Jesus never fell short. And that is the good news. The word of God is a mirror into our lives. And if we trust in him and repent, we have been freed from sin and rebellion to be in relationship with the one who created us. But we must repent. And even that word, you can hear it and be like, what does repent mean? Repent means turn around, turn away. Look and see how the world operates and say, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to live in a way that is trusting and believing in Jesus Christ and him alone. It is saying, Lord, I'm not going to live in open rebellion no longer. Please reconcile me to you today. And this is where the Spirit comes into our lives. And what the Spirit does, we'll find out in this text that we have the promise of the Spirit. We have confidence in the Spirit. And we have remembrance in the Spirit of God. 
It will bring to remembrance everything we're talking about. Someone asked me, Josh, why do you share the gospel? Why do you do it? First, it's a command. I'll give you that. The Great Commission says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is what he says. That is the last bit of information that we get as blood-bought sons of Jesus Christ, a task by our Father to go out and make disciples. So that is what we'll do. Second, though, is there's a joy in it. There's a joy in it. So we make disciples. We know that Jesus is going to help us, but for me, there is an absolute joy in it. There's a joy to see men and women being reconciled to their God, to find out the reason that they were created. The purpose and hope that is found in Christ cannot be found in anything else. No other earthly pursuit will give you hope like Jesus will give you hope. That is it. I've chosen to live in active rebellion against my creator. I'm not saying this from a place of not understanding. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know Jesus till I was almost 20. I was 18 years old. That's when I saw Christ and said, yes, you, please. A beauty there, a love there, a compassion there always trying to figure out by other means that never satisfy. The world will offer you everything, but only the God of the universe can give it to you. And the world's an awful friend. James 4 even says, Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. So there are two groups of people in this text that we're going to be getting into today. We have the haters, and Jesus sends the helper. That is the reality of this. There are haters in the world who hate us because we're Christians. But Jesus Christ himself sends the helper, his Holy Spirit, so we don't do this alone. So Jesus bears our sin, and we bear witness, and we bear fruit. That is the beauty of this relationship. And we will find this out in the text today. The world will hate you. The world will hate you. But no, Jesus Christ loved the world so much that he died for it to provide a pathway for us to be reconciled and redeemed. That's the Easter message. But no, the world will hate you. You will have opposition. The flesh inside of you will be at war with the spirit inside of you, and it will be war. Active war. But we are equipped and we are empowered by the spirit to bear witness that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and that's what we celebrate on Easter. And this is where we're headed today. Two points. The world hates, the spirit helps. Those are the two points today. The world helps. We are in verses 18. Sorry about that. I'm out of it. John 15, 18. We're going to go all the way through 16, 4. So that's where we're at. 
Um, if you look on your bulletin, those are incorrect. My apologies. But we will start. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me. So this is Jesus talking. If the world has hated you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have loved you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, then they will persecute you. If they have kept my word, they would have also kept yours. But all these things that they do on account of my name, because they do not know him who has sent me, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Therefore, uh, whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word, the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. We're going to stop right there, and then we'll pick up the rest later. So know this, and hear me. The world hates Christ, hates Jesus, and his church. The world hates us. That's the reality. Verses 18 and 19 makes it clear that the world is going to hate you. It hates you because Christians are a different type of people. We talk about the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, right? Sounds a little strange. Spirit dwells in us and makes us different from the world. The fact that the Spirit is in us and that we can abide with God should make us a weird kind of people, right? And what do I mean by weird? Weird is in opposite of the world. The world will look at us like we are strange. That's the reality. In this day and age, if we behave according to this, I'm talking about biblical Christianity, not cultural Christianity. Biblical Christianity, we will look outrageously weird. Because this day and age is completely marked by self-seeking behaviors trying to get ahead. That's the reality of it. The world's beatitudes is blessed are the entitled, for they grab what they want. And blessed are the carefree for they shall be comfortable. Blessed are the pushy, for they shall win. Blessed are the greedy, for they shall climb the food chain. Blessed are the vengeful, for they shall be feared. Blessed are those who don't get caught, for they shall look good. Blessed are the argumentative, for they shall get in the last word. And blessed are the popular, for this world lies at their feet. This is the world. This is the world. And we don't play by their rules. We don't play ball. We don't play game. And because we don't, we look foolish. This isn't the way of Jesus. This is the way of the world. Jesus is upside down compared to world standards. Jesus defines blessing in a completely different way altogether. One that looks strange. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be sown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Different than the world. The world will hate us because we're doing against things completely against the way they think. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So if we pay attention right here and we observe what the text is saying, we, see, we really do see two things. The reason the world hates us is because, one, we're not of the world. We're aliens. We're outsiders. We're foreign occupiers that behave contrary to the culture. We are like picked up and placed in a completely different nation. Don't know the language, don't know how to speak, don't know how to talk. Of course people are going to hate us. We don't fit in. The world also hates us because Jesus has chosen us. That's what the text says. That's not what I say. That's what the text says. Jesus has plucked us out of the world to live a certain way. And that way is to love and be sacrificial. When we live like the world, when we live this way, the world thinks we're foolish will think we're naive. Most of all, they'll think we're arrogant, right? To say that there is one God in this world, that's an arrogant thing to say, let alone to say that this God can be known personally, let alone to say that this God wants a relationship with you, let alone to say that he wants us to live opposite than the way the world has been living. This fills the world with hate, fills it with anger, fills it with frustration and aggravation. They're filled with hate because they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. Once again, this is what the text says. It says that the God in flesh has been revealed through Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they would have kept my word, they would also kept yours. But all these things they will do on account of my name because... They do not know him who sent me. That's what it says. The reason they do these things, the reason the world hates you is because they don't know Jesus. I saw a video on the internet this week and it hit me so much in the heart. There was this little kid and he had, uh, he had a, a bandana on and he was doing karate, right? He was kicking and hitting and it was awesome. And uh, the guy was holding pads, the sensei or whatever, and then he was hitting. And then his dad, who was in the military, slips in and starts hitting the pads. And in the middle of this workout, he says his name. Next thing that happened is that kid ripped off his blindfold, ripped off his gloves, yelled daddy, and ran into his arms. A child will know the father's voice. The child will know the father's voice. The world doesn't know the father. They're deaf to his voice. They're deaf to his call. When he believes, when we believe that Jesus is king, we know that he is the standard of living. Our life is to be made more and more and more and more like him. Everything that we do. So Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all to you. Those are your options. I have to be as black and white with this as I can. There is no fence sitting in the kingdom of God. 
Hot or cold? Lukewarm, spit out of the mouth. Revelation. I just want you to know, like today, if you hear the words that I'm saying, and you're feeling that pull on your heart, right? What I'm saying is like, I, I need that. Whatever that man's talking about, I need that. I need that God. I need Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it is. No, don't resist the Father's voice today. If you hear his words today, repent and believe in Jesus. We have no clue what the drive home entails. And I'm not being fearmonger or scaring. I'm going to give you a third reason why I share the gospel a lot. I was 19 years old. I was a Christian. I knew I should have shared the gospel with a guy at the gas station. I've seen him for years. I went over to his house because I was poor growing up. I didn't have any money, so I would go there. His family would make me food, and they would take me to school so I didn't have to walk in the cold. They would give me clothes and everything like that. It was horribly embarrassing, but they were wonderful people. That kid wind up getting addicted to drugs. I just came from a mission trip where I went and talked to people in the middle of mountains. I went and talked to people on the street corners in New York or Boston. This was a guy who was with me and his family took care of me. And I was pumping gas, and he was like, Josh, I need to talk to you. I need you to pray for me, man. I'm relapsing. I don't feel good. I said, man, can we just talk later? I wanted to go home. Later that night, he overdosed. He was in a coma for three days, and then he died. So I'm not being hyperbolic, and I'm not being overdramatic when I say, make your choice today. Stop fence-sitting. Stop wasting time. Because I knew what I was supposed to do. The read, pray, listen, obey. When I was talking about that all last week, that stuff is not just a clever thing you find on the internet. It's because I didn't obey. I didn't listen. And I've seen the joy. I've seen the amazing transformation in people's lives. And I would take that over being made fun of any day world will refuse to submit to Christ. But the world is without excuse because of Christ. Jesus makes himself known. If you want to follow God, if you want to know the purposes that God has for your life, through Jesus and only through Jesus. They know only about God because the word God has spoke. Verse 22 says, if they had not come and spoke, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. We're here every Sunday. We have no excuse. God put on flesh, lived a perfect life, died a death, rose from the dead. We trust in him. We are without excuse. Because Jesus' miracles, his words, his life point to the fact that God can be personally known, he can be communicated with, and we can come to him. And this is the beauty of the empty tomb, that Christ is risen and he is alive. We are without excuse because Jesus has come into this world to be known. And the world will hate, he was hated without cause. Why is the reason he's hated? He holds up a mirror. He holds up a mirror to me. He holds up a mirror to the world and shows them that their way of life is futile. 
that they're just a hamster on a wheel. That Jesus was hated for doing the right thing. He didn't do anything wrong. He was hated for showing people their hypocrisy and their corruption. He was hated for loving the least of these and showing the pathway back to God, a relationship with with him and revealing himself to sinful men. He was hated for being obedient to his father. Most of all, he was hated for being God in flesh. This is why he was put to death. He was telling the world that the corruption and sins will be paid for, whether by his death on the cross or by us for all eternity. That's the reality. That's the reality of what we're talking about. Sin will be paid for. Because if it wasn't paid for, he's not just, and he's not a man of his word. This is a good thing. This is a wonderful thing that we have a God that isn't switching his word, that he says, I will punish sin, that I will punish disobedience. Imagine if everybody who has ever broken the law is completely set free. Are you like, thank goodness that God is just merciful? We wouldn't say that in our day to day, but we would be like, I wish there was justice. We have entire movements talking about social justice. We really do. We want to see justice as a people. So justice will be paid either by Jesus Christ on the cross or by us for all eternity. He did in six hours what it would take an eternity for us to pay for. Like I said, this isn't fear-mongering. This is just the text. And it's a beautiful thing because he didn't have to do it. That's the crazy thing. He didn't have to do it. We broke the law. We broke the law. We stand condemned. We are the ones that did it. And he says, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send my son. We're going to redeem you and restore you and see you made new. But the world hates Christ and his church. They hate what they don't know. But they're without excuse because Christ has been revealed. The world is full of haters. It shouldn't be something that catches us off guard. Jesus and his people will be met with opposition. So now what? Do we just go on living this life, bumping into people and being frustrated? So now what? This isn't where the story ends. I love these butt sentences in the gospel. We see that the spirit helps. Verse 26 says, but when the helper comes... But when the helper comes, but when the tomb is empty, but when God, we see these all throughout the text. This isn't where the story ends. Three things from this text that we see. We see the promise of the Spirit. We see confidence in the Spirit. We have remembrance because of the Spirit. Verse 26 says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We have a promise of the Spirit. But when the Helper comes, when the Helper comes. This should bring us so much comfort that when we accept the Lord's terms, not the world's terms, we aren't alone. The world will leave you alone. The world will leave you alone trying to make a way, trying to figure out a path. And we aren't alone because not only do we have the Spirit of God, not only do we have God himself, but look around you. We have his church, a family of men and women together going against the world's dreams, 
saying, me and my family will serve the Lord. We are not alone. Jesus does not plan to leave his disciples at their darkest hours alone. The work of the Spirit is to make much of Jesus. It's to bear witness to Jesus. And to bear witness is to show that something exists, that something is true. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He points to the fact that what Jesus says is real. That his words is true. And by this empowering of the Spirit, we will bear witness like Jesus does. We will be able to talk to the world around us and tell him, This is my Savior. This is my King. I always repeat the same thing. That we are portable temples. That temple is gone in Jerusalem, but the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, and we go from death to life. And if anybody who is far from God but close to you is not far from God, this should lead to confidence in the Spirit. Jesus doesn't want us to fall away, He doesn't want us to play by the world's games. He will keep us on this path that he has set out for us. He says that they will put them out, that they will be murdered, that people will try to kill you in 16.2. But know what the words of Paul says. And this is true for you in this room, even if it feels burdensome and tiresome. Paul says this. I am sure of this. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Know that you are being made into his image and he will bring it to completion at the last days. When we die, it's not it. We go to be with Christ and then we share the good news of Jesus. And then there is the resurrection in life. New heavens and new earth. We will be back, physical bodies, no more tears, no more heartache. God making all things new, restoration and new creation. Some of you may start this journey today. And some of you may have been on this road for many years. And any of you may be anywhere in between. And I'll let you know, because Jesus let us know, that this road would not be easy, but it's worth it. That we have to daily die to the flesh and to rely on the empowerment that the Spirit provides. And we have an amazing uh, opportunity to see true change in this world. We can see this neighborhood, this city, this country change, not by political programs, but by Jesus Christ and his spirit. That is good news. Jesus will keep those who are his from falling away. Verse 4 and 16 says, But I have said all these things that when the hour comes, you may remember what I have told you. Bringing to remembrance is one of the best gifts that the Spirit has ever given. Because the more we're scripture-saturated, the more we're a prayerful people, the more the words we need to say come out at the exact right time. Imagine if we were driving and we forgot the traffic lights meant, or what the purpose of a stop sign was, or what all these yield signs are. You know how challenging it would be to navigate roads. You know how hard it would be to drive. How challenging it would be to do a simple task. How nervous you would always be not knowing what's going to happen at any given time. The more we are scripture saturated, the more we abide, the more the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the signs and the laws that the world hates. The laws of God. 
the laws of Christ, to be gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus says this to his disciples to keep them from falling away. Remember, this is his disciples. We are in Easter today, but where we're at in the history of this story is the night before he goes to the cross to die. He's about ready to be betrayed. So we need to know that context. He says, I'm telling you this to remember so you don't fall away. These people, these disciples were the closest to him. He is about to go to the cross. He is about to defeat the true enemy that is sin, death, and Satan. So the disciples were expecting him to take on the earthly throne and topple the Roman government. That's what they were expecting. There is something more at stake. The souls that Jesus came to redeem and reconcile are more important than political viewpoints. So in this context with the disciples, falling away would include not testifying. The reason they wouldn't testify is because they wanted to avoid being hated by the world. They wanted to run away from the task that Jesus has given them. That they would be a failure to bear fruit. And that failure to bear fruit is found in the fact that they don't abide in Jesus Christ. And that failure would be because they don't love Christ. And that failure is because they don't trust God. They don't trust God because they don't believe what Jesus said. Jesus teaches them in order to keep the followers from falling away. Falling away isn't an option for us. We must trust, abide, and obey Jesus regardless of what that entails. Regardless of how much the world may hate you. Jesus here asserts that the persecutors have known neither God or him. So they will hate you. So Jesus desires his disciples to remember this. Remember what? This is what we should remember on Easter. That Jesus' body was ripped to ribbons by whips of sinful men. That Jesus Christ was spat upon. He was beat. He was forced to carry his own cross. That cross wasn't his. That cross was mine. That cross was yours. That cross was ours. We are the rebels. We have broken the relationship with God. Each one of us in the room. That cross that Jesus carried was ours. The world will hate us because we're not of the world. Even if I'm talking to you about this right now, you might be like, man, Josh, you are arrogant and foolish. I know you think that. If you don't trust Jesus, of course you think that. You might think I'm hateful bigoted, frustrated, because I say there is one way to Jesus Christ. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. I get it. I understand. The world will hate us. So Jesus bears sin so that we can bear witness and bear fruit. That's our task. We should have confidence and assurance that as we abide, we will bring remembrance to that which he has commanded. Know that you either see Christ as a hater or you see him humbly as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Those are your options, man. In a, in a day of spectrums, it's not like that with this. You either trust God or you don't. That's it. 
No, I don't care how good you are. We can continue in the way of the world, but know that a dead fish can't float downstream. It takes a living fish to go upstream. It takes a living fish to go up current. And that going upstream means you have to turn around. That is repent. This is what repentance looks like. As you travel upstream, the world will hate you. That's the reality. But Jesus came to save the world. I'm going to read uh, John 3:16 through 21. I want these words to penetrate your heart. I'm going to ask you guys to obey today as well. If today you say, I want to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I want you, after I'm done with this, raise your hand and let me know so we can put stuff in your hand so we can let you know the next steps because it is a journey that takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. It takes a church. It takes a body of believers. It takes us in this room. We can't do this alone. We can't do it in isolation. So I'm going to read this and let it penetrate your hearts. Before I even read it, I'm going to pray that God would open our ears and open our eyes. Father, please. You're the King of kings, Lord of lords, God of all creation. You were the one who died on the cross and raised from the dead. You spoke galaxies into existence, and you have called us here today. That nobody is here by accident. So I pray that you will give us wisdom and understanding and open eyes and hearts. Father, I pray that if there is that burning in anyone's chest today, and they say, I, I need that, I need Jesus, I need you, I pray that they would raise their hand and we would know and we would be able to share them the good news and be able to give them a Bible, give them fellowship and let them be in community with us, Lord. That they wouldn't just go away and not know, but have confidence because when we trust in you, that is it. We are in your hand. Because those who you raised from the dead, it is you who chose. We didn't choose you, but you chose us. So if we feel that burning, it's because you chose us from the foundation of the world. So be with us as we read this text because your word is living and active. Your word is what pierces through heart, soul. Father, I pray if there is any hatred for Jesus Christ, that would melt away right now. Amen. So John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that it might be saved through him. So hear this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light. Lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. it. 
That's all I have when it comes to this. Is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead. And if you believe in him and trust in him, then we have hope in his name. We have peace in his name. So, I'm going to pray again for us. And if any of you have repented today and said, I want to trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Not if you've been a Christian. If you've already been a Christian, amen. You're part of our brother and sister. I'm talking about today or this week. Or you feel it now. I want to know because I, I want to be able to talk with you and have hope with you and be able to pray with you and give you Bible and let you know the assurance that we have. So, Father, thank you for these men and women here. And, Father, if I pray that we would just repent of our sins, that we would turn to you and have hope in you and trust in you, knowing that when we have trust in you and hope in you, that we are completely made clean. Father, wash these people clean by your name, by your word, by your truth. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.